You're listening to the Co-op Book Podcast. I'd like to welcome Liz Harful to the Co-op Chat. Hello, Liz. Hi, Rob. Pleasure to be here. Now, Liz, we're talking to you with the wonders of modern technology. You're in South Australia, is that right? I am. I'm sitting in the Adelaide Hills, which is a beautiful part of the world to live in. And we're talking about your latest novel, um, City Girl, Country Girl, which centres on, you know, extraordinary stories from Australian women who have moved from the city to the country and forged new lives. Um, what inspired you to write this book? The um, the main inspiration was my mother's story, and uh, mum was a Melbourne girl. Um, she uh, had a fantastic job in the city working as a senior bookkeeper for a very large um, chain of menswear stores. It was the Second World War, and she had a very active social life. As she and her sister and her workmates would, would go out uh, dancing four or five nights a week, and uh, on one evening they went to Luna Park, Park, which is a bit of a Melbourne icon, um, where they bumped into um, my father, Lyle, and uh, his uh, a few of his mates from the Air Force. They were celebrating having passed out of a, uh, their latest exams, um, and uh, and that was pretty well it. They went on their first date to the Puffing Billy uh, steam railway the next day, and uh, one of Dad's mates said to him, well, you're going to end up marrying that girl, and indeed he did, and uh, took her, her way to a tiny little dairy farm um, on the outskirts of, well, about about 10 k's out of Mount Gambier in the southeast of South Australia, and a very different life. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think part of what comes through in the book uh, with the various stories is the shock of change and, in many situations, a traumatic uh, sort of reaction to moving from, uh, you know, an urban to rural setting. Um, that's right. And, you know, I think it's probably true to say that most of the women in the book had, had never really envisaged a life in a, in a country area for themselves. Um, certainly, my mother didn't have that plan. Um, and, with you know... Um, Obviously, uh, love was what took them, <laughs> took mum to where she moved, um, but that's not necessarily enough to kind of get you through the practical challenges of every day, and just this sense of of missing your family if you leave them behind, um, you know, so that dislocation, and and I I think um, even though my parents were married for sixty years, for example, and the farm definitely became mum's home, and in the end. Uh, I don't think she could imagine of going back to the city, but she always missed her family, particularly her parents and her her mother who became blind in, in later life. So there's always that sense of yearning of not, you know, part of you being, of yourself being divided between two places. And, and look, lifestyle in the city and the country are very different. Um, us city folk tend to romanticise the country. Is that is it very unrealistic, the representations and, you know, things like, you know, McLeod's daughters and Farmer wants a wife? Yeah, on the whole it is. <laughs> very unrealistic. Um, 
and yeah so the the reality is quite different i think for women of my mother's generation the the gap in understanding wasn't so great because an awful lot of families who lived in the cities in australia had rural relatives and connections so you know they had at least some opportunities to experience country life you know even if it was just on school holidays but that's not the case anymore you know um Australia is a highly urbanised place and most people do have a very romantic notion um, of what it's like and they take for, you take for granted just, just small things um, that, um, you know, when you live in the country you can't, like being, you know, within a close driving distance to a doctor or a hospital, like having easy access to, to social services and community groups, um, the, you know... The, the shops that you can access, although I guess being able to buy things online and have them delivered is improving, you know, that that sense of limitation. There's all sorts of things that you just can't take for granted. Um, now, you've, uh, you've made a crust sort of writing about rural and farming communities. What's the appeal of those uh, communities to you? Well, I guess they say you should write about what you know and... <laughs> I grew up on on this uh, on this dairy farm and um, in a in a farming district, um, and then uh, in later life I became a a, a journalist. Um, first of all, on the on a local newspaper where you know I was very much writing about the people and the community, and then I moved into journalism and communication that focused on farming and agriculture. So that's always been my world. Um, and I think, too, for me as a writer in particular, you know, a lot of the books that are out there are about the outback. So if there are books about <laughs> about rural Australia, they tend to have that outback focus. And I grew up in a small – in a farming district in a high rainfall area where the farms were, um, you know, dairy farms or horticulture um, – not the outback and very, very different to life in, in the outback, um, as I think of it. And, um, and yet it's by far where the majority of rural Australians live. So I've always felt quite passionate about capturing those lives because I do think they're way underrepresented and it's very easy to think that, um, it's only the outback that has the drama and the colour of great stories and that's just not the case. Well, and, and I mean, the- there is that whole, you know, uh, fictional drama, rural romance. So it's, uh, it, you know, it, 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 it definitely has a rose-coloured view here. But the truth is there's more people leaving uh, rural areas and, you know, moving to them. Is that is that a trend that's going to continue, do you think? Do you know what? I actually think it's reversing. And um, I, I spent a lot of time travelling around um, all over Australia. And a lot of the regional cities are growing quite rapidly. But also there is a real effort out there being made to uh, find a new way of reinvigorating even the smallest towns. And, in fact, one whole section of the book is is uh, devoted to a stellar example of that, a little community called Harrow in Western Victoria. You know, that the population of Harrow 20 years ago was probably only about 70 people. Um, and they had a few really uh, imaginative, creative and feisty um, people um, who came 
up with some ideas to, to try and uh, bring some new life to that community and create a more viable future. And it's become, I, I, I jokingly refer to it as the Bermuda Triangle of single women because <laughs> single women seem to go to visit Harrow for various events and, and they never leave. You know, there's actually now a problem in this community of shortage of housing, um, of, you know, a shortage of single men, which is definitely not a, a common thing for most rural communities um, because because they have done such a fabulous job of, of reinvigorating the place. So all the single men out there that are looking to relocate, you've got one destination, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Harrow's the place to go. Yeah. Now, tell me, I mean, how did you research this book? Obviously, you had background into your mother's experience, but, you know, there's a whole lot of other women that are, are presented in the book. How, what was your process like for that? Well, I'm, I'm lucky, um, after sort of, you know, 30 years or so of, of working, um, with rural communities that I have some great networks. So I tend to put the word out about the kind of, uh, you know, people that I'm looking for and as I'm travelling around uh, doing author events and, you know, what, uh, two of my other books have been uh, based around country shows and I go to a lot of communities on show day, which is when all of, you know, the farm families and everyone come in together. So I meet a lot of people um, and that um, I, and I often have, you know, people suggested to me, none of the women I write about propose themselves. Um, they are all modest and <laughs> people who don't actively look for the spotlight so they have to be suggested to me by by colleagues and friends that's the that's the only way you get to hear about a lot of them and i do like to write about women who have slipped under the radar who've just led quiet lives that would otherwise um, go unnoticed and, and even their neighbours and community may not be aware of the struggles they've been through or the kind of challenges they've had to face. So, um, and with this book, you know, one of the biggest challenges is that, goodness, there are thousands of women from both cities and overseas and I, and I cover both of those who've moved to rural Australia. Um, in fact, you could almost say that, you know, there, there is significant, um, backbone to the rural communities. So, so it was really difficult and, and and the final deciding factor in the end came down to me about whether there was a sense of connection between the two of us um, because there's a great deal of trust involved in allowing a writer to tell your story and I'm, I tell these stories in a fair amount of detail so you know they're not they're not short stories they these women have spoken quite openly about about their lives and the challenges they've faced so you've got to trust each other to do that obviously you built a strong rapport with all of them yes well I mean, it was a quite a lengthy process um depending on where they were located you know i try and go and spend um, quite a few days with them either um, you know I'll, I'll stay with them on their properties or in their homes or I'll um, spend a considerable length of time to them so that we you know be, have a chance to get to know each other and the whole process of gathering the material is just a very long gentle conversation um, I encourage them to take me to places that are important to them and their stories so um, that um you know that really helps me to understand who they are and what they're about and and to get a feel for their lives because with most of them what I've also tried to do is not just tell their past but to try and describe to readers what their daily life is like now. 
Now, uh, are you a are you a reader yourself? Who do, is there any sort of people that you love reading? I I am uh, a passionate reader. I have a stack of about. 40 books sitting next to my bed at any given time and will probably be reading four or five at once. Um, goodness, I, I probably – I read just about anything except um, horror probably and <laughs> mm. um, so uh, I love biography. I love history. Um, I, you know, there's lots of Australian writers that I love. Tim Winton is just – um, are probably my favourite writer above all. His beautiful, you know, use of the language and sparse, sparse use of of the language is is um is just uh, something that it's uh, I aspire, you know, if to 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 uh, to. I don't I don't think many writers can actually practice at that high level, but I think he's a brilliant writer. Um, and I love crime fiction, so um, I do I do read a a lot of a lot of crime fiction as well. Okay. And just just to finish off, once the uh, the buzz of uh, City Girl Country Girl dies down, have you got anything else planned in the offing? Any writing happening? I do. I'm actually working on a couple of books at the moment. Um, so, because it's you know it's one of those things that you know I finished finished writing City Girl Country Girl um, in about sort of September last year, and you know books take a long time to go through the editing and production and printing process, and and I'm a full time author, which means I really you know, I, I need to sort of keep going. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm I'm working on at the moment. I'm working on a book that will bring together the stories about um, uh, that re- the revolve around the idea of sharing recipes and food to help others. Um, the two books I've written about show cooking really highlighted to me that um, that sharing family recipes and passing them down through the generations is such a big part of of the life of so many Australian families, particularly in country areas. Um, and when you get those recipes, you know, they're only part of what you need to know. There's a wonderful knowledge that goes with how to make them, which is hardly ever on paper. So if you're, um, you know, have never made anything like that, you're you're quite challenged to actually get them exactly right without that that special knowledge, and I'm also interested in in the people and um, and who they are. So I'm I'm at the moment researching community cookbooks and um, which are you know usually published with the donor's name at the bottom of the recipe, um, and they've been a big part of of Australian. Um, you know, food culture since the 1880s. So, and I'm looking at really the first first hundred years of that of that, and trying to find out, you know, how these community cookbooks came to be, the people behind them, and if I can track down some of the families that have donated recipes over the generations and see uh, what's happened to them, and find out a little bit more about how to make those. So, um, it's a bit of detective work, which which I love. Okay. So it sounds like something that we'll all look forward to reading and you know using to our advantage in our kitchens. So, uh, <laughs> Liz, I appreciate your time. Thank you for being part of the Co-op Chat, and we'll speak another time. My pleasure, Rob. Thank you. Thanks.